Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast. (laughs) Well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband, Matt. We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships. If you have those kinds of questions, too, you're in the right place. Here we go. So I know how much you look forward to having guests on the podcast, Matt. Yeah. Well, we have a returning guest today. I know. I know. It's... um, Someone who made quite an impact, I think, on our podcast and is going to help us continue to make an impact in the world of recovery. Um, Unfortunately, um, we are not sitting across from each other. We are on a Zoom. So that makes me sad. We're talking to her in the box. Yeah. In the box. We get to see her. But um, do you know who it is? I do. You do? It's our daughter, Catherine. (laughs) I'm going to surprise you. Hi, Catherine. Hey guys. Welcome. Thanks. Can stay away. So glad to yeah. be back. Yeah. You're, you're, I'm not going to lie. And I don't think we'll offend other return guests. You're our favorite return guest ever. Yeah. I know one of the things you're excited about Sherry and me too, honestly, uh, like t- tons of excited about is that we don't need a whole box of Kleenex to have yeah. this conversation this time for our listeners who may or may not have just kind of followed along chronologically episode 200 was our first time having our daughter Catherine on and we gave her an opportunity to tell her story her frankly heart-wrenching story about growing up with an alcoholic father and that was a tough one but this one hopefully will be a lot more lighthearted and positive looking and forward thinking absolutely sound like a good plan sounds like a good plan let's to me. do i don't want to short change Catherine though when we have guests uh with you know professional guests we give them a formal introduction so we need to do that uh joining us today on the intoxicated podcast oh, I guess I wasn't good enough in that introduction oh you you were like the tease introduction <laughs> okay yeah the it's formal like, is like yeah okay yeah so hopefully people are still listening you know because you you gave the warm intro so, yeah welcome or uh, sorry let me do that over <laughs> Joining us here on the Intoxicated Podcast is Catherine Salis. She is a senior at Hamlin University in St. Paul, Minnesota, double majoring in education and studio arts. She is also the editor-in-chief of the Oracle News Publication, which is the student publication of Hamlin University, and a four-year contributor to that publication as a writer and an editor. Catherine Welcome to the Intoxicated Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. That was fantastic. I am so excited to be here. Glad to have yeah. you in the box with us. Uh, we're going to start, as we o- almost always do on the podcast, with a listener question. If you would like to send in a listener question, you can send that to matt at soberandunashamed.com. And you won't get a clinical answer. You won't get an answer from a therapist or a psychologist, but you'll get an off-the-cuff answer from a couple of chuckleheads who may or may not know what they're talking about. So send those on in and we'll do our best. Catherine, you're going to... An honest answer. uh, Very honest. Honest, real-lived answer. Yeah. Yeah. From our experience. Yes. Catherine, you're going to help us answer this listener question because it's right up your alley. So says listener, I'm interested in the developing story writing workshop for teens. What kind of writing prompts will there be? It's a good question. It is. I think I I read a little deeper. I I read a little more from this person. And I think this is someone who is kicking the tires. And this is actually a teenager. This is not from a parent. Originally, I thought it was from a parent, but I figured out that this is from one of the teens that's interested potentially in the program. And uh, I think it's someone who is worried about maybe workload and also maybe worried about vulnerability and how much am I going to be asked to express that kind of a thing. So I think the really fundamental answer that I would give kind of foundational answer, and then Catherine, let's hear your take on it, but is that this is narrative nonfiction, this is biography, this is storytelling about real life events. At least that's the way we want to lead 
the prompts. But the cool thing about it being a prompt and not an assignment is a prompt is just supposed to get the wheels turning in your mind. And you can actually write about anything. If the prompt doesn't suit you or if the prompt makes you think of something else that feels off topic, go for it. You can write anything you want. That's my take on it. What do you think, Catherine? I agree. I mean, I do have to get nitpicky. Um, I don't think it necessarily has to be narrative nonfiction. I'm also open to exploring fiction. I think there's a lot of benefit and goodwill to have in writing fantasy as a way of expressing emotions that are sometimes hard to write from real life. But there's a lot of power into putting lived experiences and emotions into words. So any sort of prompt that will encourage folks to think a little deeper or um, think about it in a different way, change their perspective on something, or maybe just express their totally solid perspective is what we're aiming for. That was really interesting. I've never thought about the fact that you can deal with and express and explore real life, real lived emotions without necessarily getting to the heart of the factual story, but do it through fiction um, and still have the same kind of healing and growth oriented power. See, see, that's why we got a studio arts major to He's on a do writing this. scholarship as well. It, but yeah. Instead <laughs> of all boring, you know, or nonfiction guy over here, but I mean, trying to write the encyclopedia of our life. Yeah. God. Well, I mean, creativity has to come from somewhere. So I think being able to express that, that's why you think about the hero's journey in a lot of stories, those sort of things like that happens, that comes from an insecurity or a, you know, trauma or something of that nature. There has to be that, that internal dialogue that pushes out this character. So I think that's a fantastic way to put that. That's great. Catherine. Would you tell us a little bit about your writing experience? And certainly we would like to hear about your professional writing experience at the university, but even more than that, we want to hear about what kind of writing that you have done to help you in processing the things that you've been through. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Um, I, I, uh, I've always no, like loved writing. Like I, I wanted to write a book when I was a, a kid. I still, it's on my bucket list to publish a, a novel. Um, and I think writing is a, a tool that I use more than an activity or a hobby. Um, and yeah, I used it for school. Yeah, I used it for like academic purposes. But um it's really for me about storytelling. And I think um, that's why I've really gravitated towards journalism, which is not something that I had ever explored previous to um, going to college and, and being in a different state. Um, journalism is about storytelling and it's about sharing other people's stories, uh, platforming, lived experiences um, in a nonfiction way and bringing my more creative uh, fiction background where I was writing short stories and um, creative novels. Oh my gosh. Do you guys remember? Sorry. Side note. Do y'all remember Wattpad? That website? Yes. Yes. No. My, oh. <laughs> I just was going through our little like list of passwords and stuff and Wattpad was in there. What is it? Yes. Do tell. It's a website that my friends in middle school used to use. And we found it through our eighth grade English teacher. She introduced it to us, but it was a platform where you could publish your stories online and it was similar to a social media like you'd have followers and all of that good stuff but that was my first experience 
writing works for other people to read. Previous to that, they were, you know, in my notebook or on a, a Word document on our home computer, um, in my journal. Um, and there's such a difference between writing for some, writing for yourself and writing for other people. Um, writing for other people is something that you do at school a lot and a lot, of, and like that's what, you know, your teachers are training you for in elementary school. Um, you write essays for your teachers to grade, you write, letters for people to read so they know what you're trying to express or say or communicate um but journaling and like writing for yourself it, it's so it's it feels freer because you're not constrained by your own insecurities or hesitation about sharing things with people and that's where I feel writing becomes like a tool um, when it's being used for your own personal self-growth, like journaling. Um, I would journal a lot when I was in my first year of college, especially because I was not really talking. I mean, it was during COVID, the peak of COVID and all of the lockdowns. There weren't very many people I could talk to. And I had so many emotions that I needed to process or I felt like I was gonna explode if I didn't say it or I didn't understand what I was feeling or um sometimes I really did think I was gonna give it to somebody to read because it would be easier to write it down than to say it with my mouth but journaling gave me that freedom and that opportunity to make mistakes in my writing, to not finish thoughts all the way. It was like writing a letter to myself. I knew what I was meaning to say, even if I didn't say it in the most articulate way, which you don't always get through academic writing. Um, it's kind of like, what what's that saying? Dance like nobody's watching? Yeah. Like, write, write like nobody's reading. Um, True. and I think, I think it's a really good point. I've actually never made that part of a distinction between something that's for publication versus something that's for yourself. I had a writing coach who taught me write for yourself and, you know, write your experiences. Don't give advice. Don't tell people what to do. Let people learn from, you know, if you do share it and it is something that someone else reads, let them take whatever they want from your experience. Don't try to tell them what to take from your experience. So very much I, you know, I've been taught to write for myself for my own benefit. And if somebody gets something out of it, great. And if they don't, that's fine too. So I really like that you're making that distinction. And I think it's important in, as it relates to the developing story, our writing group for teens who have experienced alcoholism in the household, because I think we want to encourage people. The writing is the first step and it's, it's different from the reading and the sharing. Now there's a ton of benefit and we'll talk about the benefit of reading and sharing in a safe place with a group of people that you trust, but the writing, there's a ton of value in just that part of it alone. So if, if you're hesitant or you're leery about the fact that you're going to be asked to share this stuff with a bunch of people you don't know, don't look at it that way. Look at it as an opportunity to write. And if you choose to share, fine. But if you don't choose to share, that's fine too, because the solitary practice of the writing is enough reason to pursue the endeavor. And then that, that's what I'm hearing you say. I fully agree. I think putting pen to paper is uh, one of the best ways you can honor your own inner turmoil or your it doesn't even have to be turmoil but like so like putting a physical copy of your inner voice into the world is saying this is real to me in this moment and that's so important yeah absolutely well and thank you for also making that distinction that um that what you do in school is for grade and for others. This, this group that you're going to be running is for yourself, like the journaling is. And don't look at it like it's 
so much of a chore or um, something that's tedious. Cause I can see how that looking at this writing group seems like it could turn a lot of um, teens off because they're like just one more, you know, thing I have to do, but it's, but thank you for making that distinction that it's not for anybody else. And, and you don't have to put a full thought in there. You don't have to explain this to somebody. Yep. Yeah. You know, included in that kind of description, we always tell people writer's block is real. So if you have a limited amount of time that you're tasked to write during, some people will get an amazing amount of productivity. It'll like shock you. Like we wrote for seven minutes and you got four pages. How is that even humanly possible? But then other people will get one sentence and that's okay too. Other people will, will take a different kind of more artistic approach, which is something we're going to talk about a little later, but there's no way. I think the key is there's no way to do this wrong. You can come to the developing story writing workshop. You can write to the prompt for the full time period allotted pen never leaving paper the whole time. You can read, you can get feedback, you can give feedback to others, you can be fully involved, or you can listen to the prompt, jot a few ideas down, listen to what everybody else is saying, and peace out. And no one's going to hold anything against you. There's no grade. You're not going to be picked out of the group for lack of participation. You're not going to get a bad grade because you didn't share enough. We want people to use this in whatever way makes them the most comfortable and helps them make the most progress. Speaking of making progress, Catherine, tell us a little bit about, you uh, wrote a college essay back when you were a teen and when you were in high school that was about your experiences growing up in our house with me as an active alcoholic. And talk about what the process was like and how it differed, differed from journaling. Sure. That essay was probably like the first or second time I had ever decided to submit something for an academic reason that had to do with my home life. Uh, I had written about it before, but never in a way that I intended others to read. And uh, that was scary to try to think about sharing this personal part of my life with um, my teachers who I had great relationships with and I didn't want them to view me differently or I didn't want to get anybody in trouble. I mean, you were working at my school at the time, dad, so I didn't want to like have any blowback on you. Not that there would have been, but it's difficult to make that shift um, and be very intentional about what you share and how you share it. But I found it very re rewarding because seeing other or hearing feedback and also being able to read it for myself and realizing that that was something that I wanted to say and I was proud of what I was able to write was um it was rewarding in a way that journaling sometimes isn't um and maybe that's just feeding my ego a little like it, it's always nice to receive praise um on your on your work that you work hard on but that was hard work um that essay specifically was for um, my college applications for like the common app so it was the one that i was submitting to most colleges that i wanted to apply for um so i knew that a lot of different people and people that i wouldn't even know were going to read it but i chose to talk about my home life um because of how impactful it was on the way I view the world and the way I think and the way I write even. And I was in excited and enticed by the challenge it would have presented. Um, one of the challenges was um, the word count on that specific essay and also deciding on an event or a, a feeling or a thought that I could use as the jumping off point for my essay. Um, I, there was a couple of different events that happened in my youth that I was toying with writing about. And, but I ended up, I, I, I think, I might be wrong, but I, I think I wrote about the 
we talked about it on episode 200 the night oh actually i don't think we did um the night where um the picture frame got broken oh Um, yeah and the night that i broke the picture frame yeah that was a polite way to say that on your part but yeah the night i broke the picture frame with your fist um yeah yeah that one was a event that just had a lot going on after afterwards that Mm -hmm. was kind of like just a great example and concise example of some of the day-to-day feelings and emotions um but choosing that event was also tough because i felt like in part i was doing a disservice to the feelings or thoughts or emotions events that i wasn't talking about or um the even the positive things that i wasn't talking about it's hard to write a short story and say everything that you want to say um were you worried about our reaction either mom or i and i wasn't as much because after i asked permission to write the essay i don't think either of you um expressed any like um hesitation or worry or anything like that so after i wrote it i knew that it would be i didn't know it would be well received i but i was very confident that it would be well received whether or not the writing itself was good because i had some a supportive group behind me that was excited to read whatever i wanted whatever i ended up writing did you get any did you get any negative feedback from anyone in the process whether it be a teacher that was helping you edit or anyone at any of the universities did anyone say you know anything that made you regret the decision to write about that i mean yeah like i had I had a word count I had to meet. And when I wrote my first draft, it was double the word count. And so I took that draft to my teacher and I asked for help cutting it down. And it was tough to like see those red marks on my paper, like cutting out like very meaningful sentences and things that I thought were super important. And it wasn't because she didn't think they were important, but it was because we were trying to create a concise essay and that sort of feedback like a- academic feedback um, that isn't very, um, it's not driven by emotion and it's not driven mm-hmm. by anything other than academia. Um, that was tough. It was tough to tar- try to equate those two and like reconcile my writing with my desire for good storytelling. That's so interesting because you and I have never talked about this before right now here as we record. I had similar experiences with my writing coach when I first started writing and publishing because she would she would give me stuff back with red marks all over it. And I'd be like, oh, and I'd say, <laughs> well, I really like that part or that. I thought that was a really well put together sentence. It had kind of punch to it. She's like, yeah, it's great. It had nothing to do with the story, though. So it had to go. And I'd be like, well. But but what about the good joke that I worked into that? She'd be like, yeah, it's funny. I laughed. It had nothing to do with the story. We had to go. And uh, getting that kind of professional feedback. I mean, what you're talking about when you're getting strike throughs because we're trying to get the word count in line, that's somebody doing their job, right? Doing exactly what you asked, trying to get trying to get this to the state that it needs to be in to hand it in. But did you ever have any negative feedback like oh you can't tell this story or um you know this was awful what you went through but uh you know it's not your story to own you need to be quiet about this did you did you ever get anyone challenging your your expression of your vulnerability thankfully no but i was so worried about it and i was so worried (laughs) that um my teacher would hand it back and say like this is way too dramatic you're Mm -hmm. not you're you don't make sense or um this is too personal you can't share this sort of thing or this doesn't actually pull my heartstrings at all you should find a better story to tell I was so in my head about that 
and concerned about what others were going to say because in essence I was handing them my childhood trauma and I was saying grade this um mm, I'm always yeah. I mean like that's asking for something that cannot be quantified to be quantified it was tough yeah well I I'm so glad you talked about that because it is such a real fear it's a universal fear and when we see examples of vulnerability that's rewarded and, and occasionally it does go bad occasionally somebody shares a story and the wrong person hears it and there's all kinds of negative backlash so i'm not going to say that can't happen but i'm really glad that your experience was positive you know i, I wonder maybe you even though the the writing that you're pursuing as for instance the editor-in-chief of the of the newspaper I wonder if that would have even come to be if your vulnerability had been smashed down as a 18 year old or 17 year old, however old you were when you, when you wrote that it's such a risky, it, it feels so much more risky than necessarily it is to put yourself out there like that. But then when it gets rewarded, it has the opposite effect. Instead of being smashed down, it lifts you up and makes you realize the power of storytelling and, and sharing your truth. And um, I'm just so proud of you for diving into that experience. And for the record, you know, like you, you, you mentioned, I worked at the high school, I still work there where you were graduating and where you were asking these teachers for help. And there's been negative, no negative repercussions for me. And I think part of that is I'm sure that I've come across some of the teachers. I mean, I'm just the soccer coach there, so I don't, interact with a bunch of people all the time. But I think um, part of the reason that there was no negative repercussions for me either, well, part of it was I was sober at the time. So like we were working on solving the problem. We weren't deep in the problem. But the other thing is, you know, there's this, this line that's attributed to Robin Williams, but I, I think he would even have said, or he did even say it was not an original line. But he talks about how everyone you meet is going through something you have no idea about. So just be kind always. And it kind of relates here. I think probably those teachers, those editors, those people that were helping you, they'd all been through something too. We don't know what it is. Might have nothing to do with alcohol. Might be completely unrelated. But once you've had a few years of life under your belt, we've all been through stuff. And they probably read that with a ton of empathy because it reminded them their own story. So I just, I think the human spirit is really awesome and it's really loving and compassionate if we just give it a chance. So I love that your experience went well and, and none of the universities where you submitted, I mean, you got in just about everywhere or everywhere you applied, right? Not everywhere. I was definitely rejected from a few, but I did get into the ones that I cared about. So, yeah. So it didn't, it didn't cost you academically. Basically. Definitely not. Nope. Great. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that experience. Um, let's talk a little bit about the format for the developing story writing workshop. Um, these are going to be roughly hour long zoom calls. We're actually starting up here within a week. Uh, we have the first one coming up. So depending on when you listen to this listener, uh, we will hopefully be fully up and running um, and ready to welcome you in. But basically, an email is going out the morning of the call that has the general topic. If you are a writer who is under the age of 18, there will have been a consent you know, webpage that has been signed off on by your parent or your, your legal guardian. Um, but the topic will go out to whoever is involved, both the writer, the teenager, and then also um, the parent or guardian. But if the, they're under 18. Yeah, if they're under 18. But the topic is not as specific as the prompt itself. So it'll just be a, kind of a general topic. Here's what we're hitting on today. Uh, the Zoom link will only go to the writer. So if if you're worried about that, if you're 16 years old and you're like, hey, I want to make sure that you know, my parent doesn't end up on this Zoom call with me. 
that is not the intent. The parent won't get the Zoom link, only the writers will. So we're trying to keep it a safe space for the writers. And for the record, Catherine will be moderating these calls. Sherry and I will not be on them. The only reason we would be is if there was a concern and Catherine called us in, but without, you know, short of that, it'll just be Catherine and the teenagers um, on the calls. And that's when the specific prompt will be given. And one of the points we really want to drive home based on some of the feedback we've gotten so far is there will be no homework. There's no writing in advance. That's why we don't want to give the prompt before the actual call, because we don't want anyone to feel pressure like they have to come to the call already having filled out three pages of notebook paper. Come with an empty piece of paper and a pen or whatever electronic you want to use for your writing and just be prepared to write right there on the spot. And on the video call, Catherine, you'll give a little introduction to the topic. And I think we've decided that you are going to write to the prompt yourself, right, in advance and read what you've written as kind of a writing sample, an example for everybody. Does that, that make yep. sense to you to do it that way? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Get some creative juices flowing, maybe spark some ideas. Also, just encourage encourage vulnerability. I don't want to force that on anyone, but I will be sharing and I am happy to invite others to. Yeah, that, that's been my experience when I run these workshops, especially when it's with new people that I'm just meeting. If I offer a piece of me that they're not expecting, uh, it often encourages people to do the same. So I love that you're going to do that. And then we'll give the writers uh, the writing period. Typically what has worked the best is a seven-minute period of time. And again, no way to do this wrong. You can write one sentence. You can write 10 pages. You can draw the outline of your hand. Um, you can, you know, be like me. And I do sometimes I just have to make lists Yep. or, you know, just some words that pop into my head that might be sparked by the prompt. Yep. Draw a picture, whatever, whatever works best for the writer during that seven minute period. And then, the optional reading period, optional, but encouraged. I don't, you know, we want to thread the needle here. We want to be careful. We don't want to scare people away because they feel like they're going to be forced to read whatever I put down. I'm going to have to read in front of people. And, and if I'm uncomfortable, it doesn't matter. I got to read it anyway. That's not the truth. If you do the writing and you say, gosh, I just don't want to share this. There will be no pressure whatsoever. But at the same time, we do want to encourage people because there's so much power in getting feedback in a safe environment from trusted folks. So we do want to encourage people to read if they're, if they're feeling comfortable in the, in the environment. Um, and the feedback, feedback's not going to be like fixing the grammar or use the wrong word here, or, uh, you know, the feedback is going to be, I relate or, or this is the piece of it I relate to. Right, Catherine. I mean, we want to, we want to, uh, chime in when we hear something that really resonates. Yeah, definitely. Feedback isn't academic. It doesn't need to be. I definitely don't think it should be. Feedback you're is not, just you're not going to take reactions. a red pen and you're going to take a red <laughs> pen and cut their writing in half because it wasn't fit the, doesn't fit the uh, word count. Yeah, actually, you have to say below two hundred words. Anything else gets a big <laughs> X. <laughs> no, well, none I, of that. And I think what's really great is when we do these writing prompts um, for our other groups. The nice thing is sometimes someone will also bring something up that I hadn't really like pieced together and maybe it can help because I think when we are talking about younger people and I, I will put myself in this example. I have been as a younger person, as a younger person, I would shove things down. I would not be truthful all the time. I grew up in a household of not a household, but I grew up with an alcoholic father who was out of the house, but still around. You know, so there was a lot of the similarities. So I have a lot of those characteristics of, um, you know, a child of an alcoholic household. So I was really good at shoving down. So I didn't even uncover and explore my emotions a lot of the time, other than fear and anger and frustration and disappointment and pessimism. So, so do you think something like this would have helped you? Do you think you'd be less of a pusher downer now as a grown adult 
I kind of think, yes, if I had a outlet, if I had had like a community where I could have shared, I mean, it's not like ugh, I lived in a small town in Southern Indiana. Addiction was everywhere. Catherine and I are well aware. Yeah. Shut up. And so it's not like, you know, we didn't know each other's business. Like I knew who the drunk parents were. You know, my dad knew who the drunk parents were. We knew who was going to be, you'd leave, a, they'd leave the bar, you know, and we would be cruising around town. I could tell, I knew what it was going to be like, but it was like that secret. You just didn't share. So you went into high school and you had your, your character that you got in character for on Monday morning, no matter what happened over the weekend, Oof, you were in character. Yeah. So I feel like if I had had something like this, um, it could have helped me discover some emotions because I really wasn't aware of emotions or how things were affecting me because I would just try to say surface level out of trouble. I'll keep, you know, keep my nose clean, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, and not to, not to dive too much into the impact of us as adults, but when we don't, when we get really good at that pushing down and not having a place to release it. And then there is a safe environment later. It looks foreign. It looks unfamiliar and we don't know what to do with that. And so we just kind of revert back to what we know, which is mm -hmm. pushing it down. Yeah. So it, and dismissing it a lot of the times too. I think a lot of us, because like I said, my father didn't live in the house. So I would kind of equate like what my sister grew up in as more traumatic, like, cause he was around, she's, you know, older sister. So I would kind of be dismissive about it, but that's not really the case. I think that we need to, like Catherine said in the very beginning of the podcast, honor your feelings um, with, and that's how the writing expression can help you honor those feelings. Absolutely. So let's get a little more concrete so that our listeners can understand in a little bit more detail what we're talking about. Do you have any examples of writing prompts that you might might want to use, Catherine? I do. I've been I've been working on some and I can't lie, some of them have come from my therapist, so they're not all mine, but they are tried, tested and true. Um, yeah, baby. And tweaking them to fit themes will change well i and i think will change what you write about um one of my favorite ones that i did recently and i did this more as like a mental practice than a writing prompt so i am excited to write to it um was it was a uh a, a um inner child practice um and i was prompted to imagine a time when i was younger and i felt unsafe in a um if I could have gone back in time and told little me what I needed to know, what, what would that look like? Or what, what, what did I need to know in that moment? What could have made that moment or the following moments easier? And that was really tough to like, a go back to that time where I was little and felt unsafe and try to put myself into those shoes and think about what I needed to hear. But I got a lot out of that and I'm excited to explore that more in different like areas too. It could be um, not necessarily when you felt only when you felt unsafe, it could be um, maybe when you felt really reckless or when you felt um, out of control or it could feel when it could be when you felt lost any, any adjective that you need to explore there. But, but basically write a letter to a younger version of you and sure. fill, fill the you in on what you know now that you didn't know then. Yeah. And it's I also hard because you have to think about like where you were in that moment, what you could have absorbed in that moment. You got to yeah. have grace, have grace for your younger self as well. So that's one I'm really excited about. Um, another one. I just thought of this today and this one is definitely more, fantasy not fantasy creative maybe fictional um but if you were a tree how would you envision yourself and i mean this in like would you be healthy and full of green leaves or maybe some branches have broken off um like do you produce anything and 
or are you supposed to produce something and you don't produce it anymore? Like, what do you think a natural or uh, environmental version of you currently mm. looks like? I, I hear the artist coming out in you. I love that. <laughs> that one might be a little um, out there, but yeah, I think don't sell yourself fun. short. I like that one. Okay. It also could be a fun way that if someone didn't feel like they wanted to write, yeah. they could draw. True. You know, definitely. Yeah. I think it also, especially if someone is new at this process, I think that gives someone an out to just write about the tree. And whether mm -hmm. you as the listener, whether you interpret the emotions that they're trying to express through the tree or not, it, it doesn't really matter. They were able to write about it and because you've given them something that's, uh, that's not, you know, it's like an indirect answer to a, to a question as opposed to the direct one. Sometimes the direct is too painful to talk about. So Definitely. I, I love that one. I think that's a great one. I'm kind of thinking that would be a fun writing prompt to do. Yeah, for us. just for me and you hanging out. Yeah, who's yeah, I was gonna right? say, don't don't take that to your writing group. Uh, -uh that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that one. Okay. I definitely like indirect is a great way to put it. Yeah, sometimes it's tough to think about really scary situations and write about them too. Like sometimes it's better to just think about a, something a little bit outside of yourself. Yeah. Um, I I've got one. What oh, do you think okay. about this? She's what do you think? Like, did I ask? <laughs> I already Whoa. have uh, a lot of insecurity about talking too much, but let's keep going anyway. How has alcohol affected your friendships? Take it out mm. of the just the the household stuff and give people an opportunity. Because I I mean I think I I mean I more than think I know that a lot of people because they have this secret, this thing that they can't talk about, there's other stuff they don't talk about too. They just keep it kind of all hidden and only present in a very superficial way to the world. So I think it would be great to give our writers an opportunity to kind of express that. I not only don't talk about my father's drinking, I don't talk about anything. And it's painful because there's nowhere I can go to express myself. I don't know. You were more recently a teenager than your mother and I. What do you think? Do you think that one makes any sense? Oh, that one's so pertinent, especially with um, kids these days and their phones. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. There's um, there's a lot more uh, exposure for all kids to all kinds of alcohol use. Um, and um, Ooh, yeah, I'm sure that your friendships are affected by even just conversations about alcohol or perceptions of what its role is going to be like in your life i'm sure it can be super i mean i have felt super isolated when my friends are talking about like 21 birthday party plans in middle school and i'm like oh i actually don't think i'm ever gonna drink and i can't say that because then you'll know my secret like that it's it's um mm, yeah it's a. Uh, it's a, it can be isolating to, and that's, well, good, and that's a good prompt. And, and gosh, what you were just talking about, I imagine continues to affect you. You're in college for heaven's sake. I think the majority of people in college have a very, very carefree uh, attitude about alcohol and, and the idea that it can never hurt you. And whether a person, as they enter adulthood, chooses to drink or not, if you've been through this experience, you can't help but recognize the danger that a lot of people don't recognize at all. I mean, I, I didn't, when I was in college, I was fearless. I couldn't even imagine alcohol having any negative impacts. All it was all upside. And so you're surrounded by people like that. When you know the truth, oh, yeah. that's heavy. Wow. Even in high school too. I mean, you, you're watching your mm -hmm. friends, Absolutely. your peers that are your age experiment with something that you've already had really bad experiences with like it, there's no way it doesn't affect your relationship with people yeah wow that's, that's a great a, that's, that's a great great all right, she'll take that one thanks for making me <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let you have that one we uh, can't have the tree you're but so you done. can have that one you get Thank you, you got one more you want to lay on us yeah let me look at my list um a lot of them are pretty similar but a fun one, I think, could be if you 
could quantify <laughs> your experience if you could have like created a label that was a superpower from something that you know or you you had to learn or you had to do like what would your superpower be oh how to take that tragedy and knowledge and turn it into a asset and a, a superpower positive. yeah i like that i or, like that if, okay what superpower could you have used in that Ooh. moment i don't know that one might be Ooh. a little bit more literal but we can explore I think it's good. One of the things that we've been told sets our programs apart from other things that are out there, which admittedly, the big other things that are out there are the 12-step programs, Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon specifically, but those can be really negative and they can be really dark places for people to to go and constantly be hearing about rock bottom moments. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we've, we've consciously tried to do is to offer positive expressions to people and opportunities to explore not the positives of alcoholism, but the positive outcomes, because they're undeniable. When you've been through something like this, you grow, you learn, you become a better human. And we talk all the time. I mean, I can't think of a single person that we've met through this work that wouldn't agree with the statement that I wouldn't wish this experience on my worst enemy, but also don't take it away from me because I know so much as a result of having gone through this. And so exploring that I know so much is really powerful. Here's my superpower because I endured this and I feel bad. I don't know. If, I, I don't know if I feel bad. Maybe that's not the right to look at it, but there are other people who are more innocent and naive for having not experienced it. And it, it gives me an advantage in that, in that kind of sense. So I love the idea of putting a positive spin on things in a positive angle. Yeah. Another one, another one that I've always been a fan of that I think would work well with the teen group is talking about owning who owns the story. Uh, we'll, we will have people in our group whose experience with alcohol is not over, who, who are, is still living in a, you know, a household where alcohol is present and creating trauma and chaos. And, so the the question in those situations often is, do I even have the right to tell this story? Because I can't tell my story without it outing another person who, while at the same time as, uh, you know, I'm going through this traumatic discomfort, it's also someone that I love. And so who owns the story, you know, prompts around that are really great. Like, for instance, do you feel like you own your story or do, or do you feel sworn to secrecy? That could be a, a prompt, um, you know, and, and if we've created this safe environment where the person knows they won't be judged and nothing will leave the little Zoom room, the little boxes, then hopefully a person will be comfortable expressing that even if they do have fears about who owns the story. I mean, I'm sure there were times when you were growing up, Catherine, where you felt sworn to secrecy. I mean, most of it, right? Yeah. Definitely. This I mean, like I just said, writing the, the college essay and mom and I saying, yeah, go for it. That was not the experience when I was actively drinking. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. It's always scary to write about somebody else's shortcomings because it's not something that you're owning. You know, you're, you're talking bad about somebody sometimes and that sometimes doesn't feel good and it's scary. Yeah, absolutely. In a, well, in, journal, in journalism, we have a word for it. It's called slander, and that is illegal. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't it have to be untrue for it to be slander? This is true, yes. But, you know, sometimes when you're a victim of traumatic experiences, it can feel like anything you have to say is up for discussion. And that, yeah. like, you... I guess that's part of owning your story, you know, who gets to write, write it, even if you're the one, the writer. Well, with, with alcoholism and other traumatic experiences, there's so much overt and covert gaslighting going on. You've got someone that, that behaves poorly and creates this chaos and trauma, but then at other times they're stable, they're, productive, they're helpful, they're kind, they're loving. 
And so you don't know which which of these humans to believe is the person that you're living in the household with. And so I think it's very, very easy to, you know, I don't know that I've ever, I appreciate the, uh, the official journalism word of slander. Um, I, I don't know that I've ever thought of it in that context exactly, but there is all kinds of concern about, am I even remembering this right? You know, look at that person sitting over there being stable and helpful and wonderful. Is that the same person that I've got this memory about? Oh, it's such a confusing, diabolical, you know, thing to have lived through. That's true. And I guess the word slander popped into my head because of that. Like it can sometimes feel like I'm just talking bad about someone and it's not always true, which, you know, we know why. Yeah. Well, these are great, great prompts. Uh, I think people are going to really get a lot out of them. I wish I was a teenager for a variety of reasons. <laughs> and that's one of them. Come, here. Come to the developing story writing workshop. She can send you the prompts and you can write to them. Yeah, True. maybe I will. Let's talk about timing. Um, you are, as we have well-documented, a college student in your last year. The timing is going to have to be adjustable on a semester-by-semester basis, at least for this, for this school year. Right now, we have one of the groups is set up for Mondays. Uh, and the times are 6.30 Eastern, 5.30 Central, 4.30 Mountain, and 3.30 Pacific. And the session's going to run for about an hour. We, if we end up with participants with dramatically different ages, and we need to split the age groups to make it more comfortable for everyone involved, there is an alternative to have an hour-long session at those same times. 6.30 Eastern on Fridays. So uh, the plan right out of the shoot is we're going Mondays at that time. But again, Friday is an alternative if um, if it needs to be brought into play. And, you know, this is going to be a situation where we're, we're just asking for our participants to trust our judgment a little bit. If we've got, you know, five 19-year-olds and five 13 year olds. Well, that's an obvious split, right? We would, we would move one of those groups to Friday and, and run them separately. If the ages are closer together, more intertwined, maybe we will decide that we don't need to split it. Um, but you know, we, I, I think one of the things to keep in mind is all three of us, Catherine, you as the lead, but certainly mom and I can, can help. We all have education careers so we work with young people every day. And so I think we're, you know, we're not psychologists, we're not therapists, we're not claiming to be, but I think we are qualified to help break the groups into appropriate age levels. I think that's something that is in our wheelhouse. So we'll do our best. Um, we'll be super transparent about that. And, but those are the, for the fall of 2023, the, that's the timing that we're looking at. Um, to kind of wrap this up, let's talk about what we're afraid of and what we're excited about. Catherine, do you have, what are your biggest fears about moderating the developing story writing workshop for teens? Um, if I'm being honest, I am really worried. I'm not worried. I'm fearful and I probably don't need to be that folks will share experiences and those experiences end up traumatizing other people on the call um and i think that's it going to be dissuaded by the intentional prompt choices and um, moderation but i am just i've never run a workshop like this i don't know what people are going to want to share and also i don't know what people are going to be able to hear and receive and with kids, sometimes they don't know what they can receive, too. So they're not able to just, like, leave the meat or be like, I actually don't want to hear this anymore. It's harder for kids to set boundaries sometimes if those haven't been taught. So I'm a little worried about that. 
though, like I said, I feel like we have that part. We have some safeguards around that. And I'll be very on edge about that. So, you know, one of the safeguards that we have, we worked really hard. Uh, we worked much harder, <clears throat> excuse me, like in the lead up and in the background with this program than with our other three programs, because the other three programs are all, all the participants are adults, consenting adults over 18 and frankly, way over 18. So, <laughs> well, they are. Um, so we, that concern that you just expressed is one that we all shared and we got some professional advice and some peer advice. We talked to other people who are parents, who are parents of teens and got feedback from them about what the kind of con consent process should look like. We also got professional advice from uh, a, a therapist or two. How do you run your practice if you're doing group work? Now, while this is not a therapeutic practice, and I want to emphasize that again, this is not therapy. We don't want to get in any kind of legal trouble. This is a writing group. Um, while it's not therapy, we still wanted the perspective of people who do do this professionally as therapists. And we came up with a consent document that we're going to ask parents of anyone under 18 to review and to agree to. And it, it covers... You know, a lot of it is mandatory reporter stuff. We, we, all three of us are mandatory reporters. And, you know, there are things that when you hear them, you are required by law to report them to the appropriate authorities. Things like sexual abuse, for instance, would be a really dramatic example of that. Um, but there are things that we're not going to report, like, you know, um, well, uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, the details are in the, the consent document. Um, but we want, I think the reason that we worked so hard to prepare that carefully was we want both writers and parents up front to read our thoughts and our fears and our concerns around this, just like what you're expressing, so that they go into this with a feel for, oh, there is a group dynamic here. And while I do want to be vulnerable and expressive, I also uh, want to want to respect the fact that there's other people on this, this video call. And, um, you know, what we have found Catherine in the, the writing that we do with our adult groups is, you know, people are pretty good about knowing that there's a boundary and providing details in order to get their point across without providing details and in, in to the extent that they would scare the crap out of everybody else. Yeah that's in the room. Would you agree with that, Sherry? I agree with that. And I think that, like you said, it's the adult group. So I can totally respect that fear with kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, we'll so. walk, walk carefully, carefully through it. And of course, Catherine, you'll be in the lead, but we'll be there to support you in, in any way we can. Um, Sherry, do you have, what's your biggest fear as it relates to the developing story writing workshop? Hmm. I don't know yet. I'm not one of those people that have a lot of questions or anticipation about things until we're in the middle of it. So probably a couple of sessions in, I'll have a lot more worry and concern about some things. I guess just... Um, are you worried? I know you are a loving and nurturing mother. Are you worried about this having any kind of negative impact on your daughter? Well, I was going to say that I am worried that um you know it kind of plays into that overarching right like worry for like she Catherine mentioned like how how can um you know a 15 year old self-advocate and I would be worried how that's going to affect and wear on Catherine and and mm -hmm. feeling responsible but I also just worry that um I guess my worry is that the the kids, you know, because I do care about kids that have to suffer through this. So I just wouldn't want to see them looking at this like this is um, something. Yes, it will impact their life, but this is just making them more traumatized by it. Mm -hmm. I think I am aware now as 52 year old that shoving it down was not helpful, but I don't want the 
teens that are involved to feel resentful about this later on, thinking this made it worse or it brought up. I heard a lot of terrible things that I wasn't prepared to hear. Um, but I think that teens are so much more mature than we give them credit for that I am going to try to think about that in a positive way. Like yeah. they, they do encounter a lot of special social media has really made access to, you know, things. Yeah. So much more apparent that they're aware of the bad stuff in the world, whether we share it directly with them or not, they're, they're exposed to a lot more than we were. Yeah. Yeah. My, my biggest fear is my biggest concern is about getting teenage boys to participate. And I'm here to tell you both ladies and listeners. Um, I do writing prompts like this with my soccer teams, my high school soccer teams, boys teams and girls teams. And it is amazing how well it goes. And so even, you know, a, a teenager who's thinking, ah, I don't want, I already have to write in school. I don't want, I don't want to have to, and, and then I have to do my homework. Ugh, I don't want to have to write in addition to that. It, they, uh, even, even in my experience, when that might be the attitude going in, once they experience it the first time, they're like, oh, that was not only painless, but it was super helpful. So um, I hope we have done a little bit here to try to talk anyone who is hesitant to add to their workload, for instance, um, to, to make that fear go away and recognize if you've got the hour a week to spend, uh, you're not going to do anything in advance. You're not going to carry anything out in the form of homework after the call. It's all going to be really well contained. It's going to be a, a, a really beneficial and helpful process. But that's my fear is getting people to get past the idea of writing. I don't like the writing I already have to do. I don't want to write anymore than I have to. How about Catherine? What are you most excited about about it? I'm excited to be in a writing group for this. I've never, it's funny, I've never done anything like this before. And I do foresee a lot of the prompts sparking things in me and helping me as well. So I'm excited to have a group to work with and work through things with and share things with. I like that you mentioned that you are excited to work through things with because you're not at the end. There you, is you no know, end. There is no end. So there's um, you know, that level that that's a good point that you made that this isn't therapy. This is a community. This yeah. is camaraderie. Oh, this is shared experience. Good word. This is to help us. And that's most of the time I'm like, when I get a writing prompt from one of our groups, I'm like, Ugh, I have to write. So I really do like the seven minute prompts we do for one of our groups. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I feel like that. But then after it's done, I, I feel like I've also unburdened myself a little bit. And I'm sharing it with a community of people that understand. And you're helping me carry the load a little. Yeah. So I don't feel like it's so heavy on me. And I know that's a very far out thing to kind of think about maybe for a teen, but unburdening yourself a little bit. Well, you're absolutely right. And Catherine, you, you alluded to this a, a little while ago. We have learned it is indisputable that when we get it out of our head and into some kind of concrete form, whether that's on paper or in your computer file or whatever, when we get it out of our head and, and, into a tangible thing and place, it changes it. It, it, and it's, it's hard to describe what that means exactly, but it changes our relationship with the story when we make it concrete in a very healthful and, you know, I don't want to overblow it, but, but it, it, it is, it is a helpful thing to get it out of your head where it's just eating away at you and um, letting it live somewhere else. So I think that you're offering this opportunity for people is going to be really, really super valuable. We've seen it over and over again, have an impact. And I know this will as well. And I think it's cool to do this right now because we live in a time and an age in a society where we actually value mental health for the first time in my lifetime. And so 
I think people are open to different mental health interventions other than just the very traditional ones. Um, let's face it, the traditional way we handle mental health is expensive and there aren't enough practitioners to meet the need. And so different things that are different than therapy and psychology are, are really helpful. And so I'm just really proud that we're offering one such thing at a really important time and fired up to see how it goes for you as our leader, Catherine. Great. I am too. I'm so fired up. I know I don't sound it right now, but I am fired up. <laughs> well, this is awesome. Um, so if you have an interest, check us out at thedevelopingstory.org. Uh, we are a nonprofit organization, so most of our web pages are uh, .orgs. So thedevelopingstory.org. Check us out if you've got questions. You can send me an email to the same place we suggested for the listener questions, matt at soberandunashamed.com. And we'll get right back to you. Um, at the On that webpage, thedevelopingstory.org, there is an opportunity at the bottom after you've kind of read through what we're all about to express interest. It, it's a little enrollment form. You're not committing to anything when you enroll there. You're just saying, hey, tell me more. Let's start talking about this thing. Um, so we, 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 the enrollment process has several steps to make sure that both sides are really comfortable. Um, so don't feel like you are signing your life away if you, uh, express initial interest. Um, yeah, so that's what we've got going on. We hope you check us out. Catherine, thanks for taking the time to explain this thing that we're going to do. And we're so happy to have you be leading it for us. Thanks, Catherine. We love you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Love you guys. Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources. If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at echoesofrecovery.org. If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety, we're ready for you at shoutsobriety.org. No matter who you are, there's something for you in our book, Sober Evolution, Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Go to SoberEvolution.org. For my wife, Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis. Thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast.